0: You're listening to the Heat Fluence Podcast, and we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the second chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heat Fluence Podcast. Actually, we're preparing for a storm here in the Central Florida area, which a lot of people... I don't know, but it. it looks great here today. I'm like, where's the storm coming? It's supposed to come tomorrow, but you know what? I love doing these podcasts. A couple weeks ago, actually, a couple months ago now, my wife said, You know, you've done like 130 some podcast interviews, and I was like, Wow, what a lot of people that I've got to get to know. Got to, I yesterday I interviewed one of my good friends, Ray Higdon, who's having a kingdom conference next week here in Orlando, where one of my mentors, Dr. John C. Maxwell, is going to be one of the keynote speakers and a lot of my other friends, which is great. But I believe in divine appointments. And so a couple of weeks ago, I met my guest and we just hit it off. We've talked since then. And I believe that it. we're in a season for me. I, I was just expressing to Anya when we before we got on about how God can change things in a snap of the fingers, right? Like he can just bring people in and and my post today was just about how people disappear out of your life. Like one day they're your best friend and the next day they're gone. Right. Like, and somebody that you've been friends with for years is gone and and you expect this person to just fill that spot. Well, I believe we're in a season where we need to be around not just like-minded people, but heart-minded people. And when we're around heart-minded people, you know, I told a story today on Facebook about a friend of mine. He was like one of my spiritual mentors. Like he was a business mentor. He was a spiritual mentor. He was a client of mine. And he asked me to hold him accountable. And when I did, when I called him on some things, he got angry. And he literally turned on me and he said, I'm going to get you. And I was like, and I'm laughing the whole time because I'm like, no, you're not. Like I did exactly what you asked for. And then a couple months later, he was stricken with cancer and I continued to pray for him and intercede for him. I remember it like it was yesterday. He walked in, I was running a gym. I had my brick and mortar fitness business at the time, super successful. And I remember him waiting for me. And he gave me a plaque that said, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves it all the time. He asked me for forgiveness. And literally about three weeks later, he went to be with the Lord. And so a lot of times we can't take relationships or connections for granted, right? Right. And so when I think about that, I just think about people that we get to meet. I told Anya that I don't really read their whole bio and she was gracious enough just to give me a little dinky bit about her, right? And I love that. Because Anya, sometimes when I ask people for a bio, they gave me this really long like book, like drawn out thing that there's no way I'm going to read because then I wouldn't get to let them tell their own story, right? So all as I know is that she's, studied law for a long time. Right. And that's one of her passions. She's an author. She's a coach. She's a speaker. But most of all, she loves God. Right. And I told her, I was like, like, I'm going to pray. I feel like I have some questions I want to ask you. But I always start this off by allowing people to tell their story because I feel it's super important. So, Anya Goldblatt, I'm so excited and here with an expectation just to get to know you different. I feel like I know you a little bit from our last couple of conversations, but I'm excited for people to hear your story. So welcome to the Heatfulness Podcast. I'm glad you're here.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. Truly, it's, it's a pleasure and giving all glory and honor to God. Truthfully, I'm grateful to be here. So I'm Anya Goldsby, as Michael mentioned, I'm an attorney, speaker, coach, I do a lot of different things, but you know, first and foremost, I'm a child of God. I'm a woman of God that truly just has these particular gifts and talents that God has given me to make his world a better place and to do what he's called me to do. So my story is very complicated, but I think most of where I like to focus when I tell my story is sort of where I was and where I am now, because I wouldn't be who I am now if I didn't, really just talk about the transformation. Right. And and all of that was truly just God's grace along the way. And he really just sort of helped me when I was in high school. I was always that kid that was involved. I probably did every club and activity you can think of. I was a cheerleader. I was a drum major of my high school marching band. I was very much like a happy kid, had a pretty decent life. Elementary school was a little tough for me. Those were those early years where I kind of figured out my identity as being a Black person and realizing that everybody doesn't really value everybody the same way. So third grade was one of the first times, at least that I can recall, experiencing racism. My mom moved my brother and me from the inner city, Reading, Pennsylvania. That's where I'm originally from, but I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So we grew up in Reading. And we moved to the suburbs. And so we went from being, you know, a bunch of kids of color in our class to the only Black students in our class. And so I remember people, you know, pulling my hair at recess. My mom was a hairdresser, so I always had eccentric hairstyles and weave. And so, you know, that wasn't always fun, being called the N-word, things like that. But one thing that I think I knew even at that age was that God had kind of put me on this earth to use my voice in some capacity. So I used my voice, I used to write poems, things like that to just sort of help me cope with that period of time. But as years went on, um, it started to become more than that. So I think me using my voice even in high school, middle school, high school, just was about me just kind of becoming myself. So I always considered myself a leader. And I think that that's part of what God has been showing me. Realizing my spiritual gifts lie very heavily and leadership and encouragement as well as teaching. So for me, it's always been about what can I do to help you? If I know something, if there's something that I can do to teach you something that you don't already know, why wouldn't I help you? And I think maybe a lot of the world doesn't see things that way, but that's how I see. I truly just live my life to serve and to help other people. And so once I got to college, my focus was figuring out what am I supposed to be doing here, right? Unlike any other college student, we don't know exactly what we're all supposed to be doing. But I kind of tried to use that time to figure it out. So I went from going to writing senior high school, minority populated, right, very diverse population. I went to Bryn Mawr College, which is one of the seven sister schools. I I really enjoyed my time there, but it was a transition for me. I think one of the reasons was because I felt like academically, it was a little different than what I was used to. And then that was the the first time I think I was exposed to sort of classism and even the sort of elite mentality. People around me, you know, I'm talking to people that have parents that are CEOs of companies and, you know, they went to this private school and that private school and they had all of this money. And that wasn't my, that certainly wasn't my upbringing. So a lot of that was new to me. And then I think also college was a time for me and it, getting a better understanding of sort of what it meant to be a Christian. And I certainly had some times where, you know, I had to kind of question God and figure out, what does this mean? I grew up Baptist, going to church every Sunday. You know, we had choir rehearsal, everything. And then I get to college women's college, and I see girls kissing girls. And I see, you know, all of this stuff that just didn't seem normal to me, but it was normal to them. And and truthfully, I think, you know, and I, I talk about this now, and I can see this now, that I think that was the beginning of this planting of seed, where society started to make an impact on my thought process. And what I felt was sort of right and wrong, like morally what I felt like made sense. So people are kind of advocating for right, same sex marriages and and that kind of thing. And, and so at that time, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, I guess it's okay, because, you know, they're focused on love, right? Everybody loves Jesus preaches love. And 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 I, I think that that was like the, the beginning of me shaping the way that I thought about things around me. And it wasn't an intentional thing. This wasn't Anye saying, I don't love God, and I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I think it was just what I was seeing around me and trying to sort of evolve my thought process
0: kind of like a culture so now, shock too right like like yeah. you, you know both of us being raised in the Baptist church you go and you know you're always used to dressing up go to go to church like you're like you know and nowadays I love it that we just go and like you know however we come as you are right like and you're you go to college and you know for me I went to college as a celibate man and I'm an mm-hmm. athlete and all of these things are being thrown at me Girls, hey, do you want to come this way? Hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to go to this? Hey, there's this thing over here. Hey, there's this other thing over here. So it's like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right. Anya, you know it, right? Like, so yeah. Yeah. That's great
1: No, no And it's true too So I think, you know College, among other things Was just one of those times I had to kind of figure out Who I was On the career side I didn't really know What I wanted to do I actually majored In religion in college And that exposed me Not only to just learning more About the history of Christianity But other religions as well So I took classes on the Quran I actually did my senior thesis About the conflict of Christians And Muslims in Nigeria And spent a summer in London Because they have a very high Nigerian population doing research, talking to people and things like that. And so to me, I felt like it was kind of this mix of Africana studies with religion, as well as sort of this peace and conflict studies together. That was most of the content and the classes that I was taking in college. But from that, I mean, I certainly learned a lot about different cultures. I learned a lot about myself, how to study, things like that. But I still wasn't clear on what I was supposed to be doing. So my sophomore year in college was one of the years that I think helped me start to shape at least kind of sort of what I wanted to do. Law was never the first idea. And again, I truly didn't have the idea, but I knew I wanted to help people. I wanted to do something that would give me a voice or the ability to use my voice in some capacity. So sophomore year, I actually did my first legal internship, but that was also the same year that I learned more information about the circumstances of my father's murder. So up until that point, I didn't know a lot. My mom didn't like to talk about it and understandably so. My father was killed when I was six months old in a drug deal in Philadelphia, and my mom, she truly just changed her entire life around. She's she's one of my biggest cheerleaders and truly like one of my biggest inspirations because you can see how God really worked through her. You know, we all go through challenging times, and there's so many generational curses and things that God has been showing me that I am meant to break. And I'm really hoping that other people can also do that same thing. But looking back yeah. on how things were for some members of my family and what I've been able to accomplish now, that are tells you there's definitely a God, so if anybody is doubting, there shouldn't be any doubt because he is capable of so many things and so that was kind of that introduction to me into some of the legal system because I started doing research, and I think that was probably one of the first things that got me interested in law so from there, you know, I took a couple of classes, tried to figure things out. But I didn't really know I wanted to go to law school until after I graduated, started studying for the LSAT. My first job out of college was working at a large New York City law firm. So that gave me that direct experience. And I was working at a very top firm, learning from some of the best lawyers. And I think that that just put me in the space to say, okay, I can do this. The process wasn't easy, but it's something that I can do. And, you know, really fast forward now, God in 2018 or actually 2017, gave me the business for or the vision for the business Black Esquire, which is really just truly helping that next generation of Black lawyers, because the journey was difficult for me. As I said, I always knew I wanted to help people. And so God was kind of giving me this additional assignment of not just being a lawyer myself, but trying to help other lawyers so that their journey wouldn't be as difficult as it was for me. And so there's a lot more that has happened since then, but that's kind of the backdrop of kind of what has led me to what I'm doing now. All
0: right. I'm rubbing my hands together for those of you that are just listening. Like that was a lot. Like she just compiled like a lot of stuff. If I can't remember right, you're married or getting married or kind of tell me about that a little bit. Like,
1: yes. So I'm engaged to be married now. And that's okay whole story on its own, because one aspect of my story is truly God having to sort of teach me a lot about who I was and my value. And that's a big message that I teach to my current clients. I think it started out with working with the pre-law students and them kind of questioning whether or not they were good enough to go to law school because of a low LSAT score or a low GPA, right? I was kind of similar. I had an okay GPA, but it wasn't skyrocket high. My LSAT score was super low. I took that test twice and it, let's just, say that they, yeah, those numbers weren't that great, but wow. I had to truly just lean into what God was telling me and say, you're good enough. You can do this. And okay. so part of doing my work as the founder of Black Esquire, I think was also just, you know, taking the aspect of my journey and the things that I learned and letting other people know that they can be successful and be valuable. But I was in a relationship for a long time, 12 years, um, was engaged for three of those years. And that was a big lesson for me to realize like who I truly was and, and what I it was worth because it wasn't abusive, anything like that. There was definitely some narcissistic tendencies, some mental abuse, and things. But it wasn't the relationship that God had for me. And for whatever reason, I felt super stuck in that relationship from age eighteen to age thirty. That wow. was my life, and that was a very long time. Wow, a long and time. It, it was a very long time. And I think looking back on it, it was one of those things where God kind of had to show me I can make it and do a lot. It's, it's one of those moments that I can look back on now and say yeah, wow. <laughs> I don't know how I did what I did. But then again, I do know how because God was with me every step of the way. So even during that time, struggling, not being truly happy, not feeling like my full self, I gained weight, wasn't working out. I was a collegiate athlete. I ran track and field and cross country when I was in college. So I also had gained some weight. So there's just a lot of things that just weren't, I wasn't the best version of Anya, but God still allowed me to honestly overcome so many obstacles even during that time, going to law school, graduating from law school, failing the bar exam and then passing the bar exam. There's so yeah. much that went on that journey. So it's yeah, a long nice. story in there, but no, I, I'm, I'm grateful. No, that's
0: good. That's good. I think one of the things is we, we brought up and and we when Anya and I had this talk before, we realized we had a lot in common. Like I was a, a college athlete myself. I ran track in college at a high level. We just finished the world track and field championships, which was probably one of the greatest world track and field championships I've ever watched. I actually set time aside to watch it and there's always this battle of, you know, Jamaicans and the Americans and all of that rhetoric stuff, I call it, going on. Like, And I, I told this, Danya, like cultural barriers, I respect because I understand it. Like the majority of my friends growing up were African-American or, you know, and I was kind of the, the guy that stuck out. Right. I'm the one that stuck out. I was the. And so tell me about that, because this is the thing that the Lord wrote down for me. Talk about that. Talk about the culture of the African-American being a lawyer and, you know, what is that like? Are there a lot of them? And, and, and then I think leading into the next question, I'll kind of preface it so you know it's coming. Is that how it is to be a Christian as a lawyer? Because I know that there's just a lot of stuff that goes on. I used to be the personal trainer that everybody came to. Like I had a waiting list of three months and whenever so I never had to sell anybody anything. I just went to the next person and I had a lot of lawyers that I trained and none of them were believers. So mm. we'll shelf that for a minute and then we'll go into talking about, you know, being a lawyer as a as a young African-American or, you know, what that looks like and how challenging that is, like you said, and how you, it led you to start Black Esquire.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the first times I realized that that journey was going to be difficult for me was in law school everyone takes some aspect of constitutional law. It's one of the requirements in law school. Yeah. And one of the, the things that had come up in my class, as well as I know other classes across the country, too, was the use of race in higher education admissions processes. So we know the Supreme Court actually just ruled on the use of affirmative action. Um, but at that time, it was, it was a hot button issue. There were a handful of Supreme Court cases. And so that was the first time, I think, in law school where people were just very vividly in outspokenly not really seeing that there was a benefit to having someone like me in their classroom, not realizing that racial experience was different than class experience and and things like that. And I think that kind of stuck with me for sure. But the experience was me just going to court many times, even going to depositions. And a lot of people just looked at me and they didn't think I was a lawyer. Actually, this happened to me yesterday. And there's so many different reasons for it. You never always, you know, it's hard to ever know. But Mm. all I know is when people see me, they don't see a lawyer. Most of the time they see whatever they think. But I'm never that lawyer or attorney first. And that was a big struggle that I had, especially in sort of my own identity because I'm me I'm a woman I'm a black woman but I'm also an attorney but I didn't get my looking
0: you're young let's just let's just say this so people who are just listening can know Anya looks like she's about 14 but she's really in her 30s right like so so let's just say that that's probably why they look at her like oh here comes this young you know athlete young girl who looks like she's 14 but she's a lawyer so we had to just kind of throw that in there so people could see
1: that. Yeah, no, for sure. So sometimes it is sort of the, I'm young, I'm a woman. I, Soft
0: spoken, I sounds like a younger person, just lives like a younger person. So, yeah.
1: No, it's okay. But the thing is whatever it was, right? I'd still show up and that's not who they saw me as. And course, I think that that course. struggle was was difficult for me because it would happen all the time. A little bit
0: of profiling, like, like some racial profiling and and just looking at the person and saying, "Oh, wow, that's different" because I mean, I said it before and I'll just I'll just throw this in there to com- confirm what you're saying is is most of the lawyers that came to me were white. Like they were white. Mm-hmm. Like I think maybe one of my friends who is now in Trinidad and Tobago Mm -hmm. is a lawyer. My friend Sheldon Guerrero is a lawyer now in Trinidad because his father was a lawyer, right? But he's a lawyer outside of the United States, right? So it's a little bit different. So yeah. so Yeah. Yeah,
1: So well, to give you some numbers and statistics right now in the U.S., it's 5% or slightly under about 4.8% of U.S. lawyers are Black and less than 2%, 1.98% of U.S. lawyers are Black women. So the numbers numbers are low.
0: (laughs) Wow. Two out of 100 for you. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: So, right. yeah, I, I'm like thankful and grateful to God that, you know, this was part of my journey. But that's a minority.
0: Me, right. In that aspect. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, so certainly. Well, see, and that's the thing, too. I never like that word minority, because when I hear I it either. and when people I say it, what 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 is the root of the word? Minor. There's minor. nothing minor about me. Right. No. You can say underrepresented, but don't call me a minority no. because I'm
0: not. No. And that's my take. I believe that. I believe that. So that's awesome. Well, OK, so. We'll pull this other one off the shelf here, right? So we talked about numbers, and one of the things I like about Anya is that she's funny too. She likes to laugh. We talked about that before the last time that we talked. She's serious too, like a lawyer, but she's she's got that other side to her that's funny. And most people that are athletic, and, and I think you know, probably one of my favorite movies was a movie with Robin Williams called Patch Adams, and he was a doctor. You know, he made people laugh, right? Like laughter is good medicine, right? Like we can laugh. But when you said one point nine eight percent of women, I was like, oh. Like I was right. Like it's it's how people perceive things, right? Like oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, so constantly, culture has spoken death, really over. You know, oh, you're not able to do that. Oh, you you went to that school. Oh, you're never. Oh, you you know, and so on and on and on. But I mean, now that I say these numbers, like, what is it like to be a God fearing Christian woman as an attorney?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something different. But at the same time, I know that there are a lot of us out there. But I had this thought process recently, too, because one thing about being a believer, right? And I truly hate that there's so many different denominations and different types of believers. I don't know how else to put it. But yeah, no, that's I don't a good always, way to put it. Right? We
0: have the full gamut of it, right? Like, you know, yeah. the religious, I think, and and a lot of time, and before you go on, I say a lot of times, when you say that, it shines a lot of light on why non-believers don't want to know about Jesus because they're looking at that umbrella of what it says to be a Christian, but it doesn't. It's like I, I posted today, Anya, I posted, you know, one of the things that my friend who, you know, eventually, you know, came and apologized and asked for forgiveness and went through that. He taught me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how to transition from having a personal relationship to having an intimate relationship with God and really that power. So that connotation of that understanding. So, yeah, no. So go on. I think that's awesome that you brought that up.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the main point I wanted to make with that is, you know, in law school, we actually have an organization called the Christian Legal Society. And I know I connected with a lot of lawyers and law students through that program. But I also found that there was sort of this, I guess you want to call white evangelical mindset that seemed to be more on the, uh, let's just say not the same spectrum that I'm on in terms of what I believe and how I present myself as a believer in Christ. And I got a lot of people that I think had different thought processes and, you know, truly toted on some line of, of hate speech, to be honest, I think with some of the, the thought process that they had, you know, as a black woman, I can't take that identity and put it on the shelf. When you see me, that's what you see. But I am also a Christian and I'm also an attorney. And so putting all of those things together, it's hard to have conversations with some Christians, even if they are lawyers, because what, they believe and what they push and preach just isn't in alignment with where I am. And most of the time, it's a racial issue, just to be pretty transparent. Um, We can agree on a lot of things, but typically the racial things and some of that stuff, we're just not on the same page. And so I don't know what that means, but that's just kind of what I see. But I think Uh, the most difficult part has truly just been feeling like, I can be myself, I can be myself everywhere and not have people feel like I'm preaching to them if I want to talk about my belief, if I want to talk about sort of the journey that God has on me. I think I've figured it out and God has been revealing so much to me. Recently, he's actually given me a vision for the anointed attorney. And so what, even as I'm introducing myself now, I'm saying I'm Anya Goldsby, the anointed attorney. Oh, and in 2022, God. he gave me a vision Long for girl. something called, <laughs> listen, I'm excited, the anointed Attorney Alliance. And that is a Christian group for women that he has given me a vision for. And and it's meant to help us, you know, Christian women on the legal profession, to have a better understanding of who we are and who God has called us to be. Because I believe, and and we know this, lawyers and attorneys have special anointings. And I think God has given us a particular assignment out here in the world and in society to help bring God back into our government. So he's been revealing a lot to me about that, but I'm excited to see where he takes me
0: that's so good that's so good I was about to say that we think a lot a lot a lot of like I think we we kind of figured that out the last time that we had a conversation you know it's funny like I've had my accountant for God I trained his kids when his kids were in high school and I didn't even know he was a lawyer like I didn't even know that like I'm like uh because I gave him a client and she's like oh yeah Pete's doing some law stuff for me I was like what like I've known him for 20 years I trained his kids. I didn't know he was a lawyer, like, what's up with that, right? Like, I think we have, you know, a lot of people have that. And even like you were talking about, like, you know, Democrats, Republicans, that type of thing, we always kind of shelf a lot of the, in my, just my experience, a lot of the lawyers that I was interacted with, which was a lot of them, were Democrats. Like, they literally, the way they thought, they weren't going to think like a Christian. They weren't going to stand on God's word. They weren't going to stand... You know, and even going through what you've gone through, you know, one of my best friends who retired from the ministry and is now doing a different thing. He didn't really retire. He just kind of went into a different from behind the pulpit to into the to the real world what I call it. And him and I talked about this. We're like, you know. You have to make a stand for who you are, not what you are, right? Like Mm -hmm. you just said that I'm the Esquire, like the E-S, you know, the Q afterwards. But you're also, you changed it and put a word in front of your name. Like you put the anointed one, right? I started really diving into understanding like cultures when when I was a kid. I'm like, I don't look at them any different. Like, you know, I I don't even know if you knew this, but in the mornings, I'm on a Bible study on Clubhouse with Apostle Francina Norman and a bunch of other people. And I'm the only white person that's on the stage with them. There's like twelve of them and and me, right? And I feel honored like I don't look at that any different, but people will look at it different like they'll say, "Oh, why are you doing that or you know how can you do that or or why are you doing that right? I think a lot of times we don't realize that the Holy Spirit breaks down those walls, right Like the Holy Spirit is the one that advances us into that. So let me ask you one more question and you can elaborate on this as much as you can. You know, when we look at our giftings, right? A lot of the stuff, even prior and before I ask this question, I want to go back to one thing. You know, even with the George Floyd and all those stuff that, all that stuff that went on, like I was asked questions about. Well, what are you? I probably would have died that day because I would not have let a man step on another man's throat. I probably would have died that day. I wouldn't have been like these people that were filming. I would have ran up on those guys and said, "What are you doing? Get off of them!" Like I would have probably have done something like that. And I think a lot of times that changes law, that changes the court system, that changes all the stuff. It's just a constant, you know, and then you see the battles like, oh, what if that would have happened to a white guy? Or what if that would have happened to, you know, a black person? I think a lot of times we see that going on, but what you and I, we get to look at it through God's perspective, right? Like Mm -hmm. we, most people, when they, when they have a title, whether it's a president or whether it's a CEO, they sometimes forget who they are as a Christian, right? So let's talk about the education piece. Okay. So you feel that a lot of your giftings and which I've already seen this in you just from a little bit of time that I've known you is that you're all about encouragement and teaching. And so before you dive into that, you know, I've learned a lot about even being successful in business, and now going into ministry, I was like, oh, now I've got to ask people for support, right? Like, even though I'm successful at business, Mm -hmm. I still, as a moral responsibility to ministry, I have to ask people for support, right? Because it's not about me. It's about the kids. And I'm, and Anya, you'll appreciate this. The area that I took over is 85% Mm African-American. And I was prophesied by my friend, Apostle Mike Ebron, that I would break down racial barriers. And he didn't know me from Adam. He didn't know that I was the only white guy and, you know, one of the few white guys on my college track team. And I mean, just the things that I went through, right? Like God was preparing me for this way years ago, 30 years ago, right? Like, and so talk about that. Talk about how you are using those gifts in the midst of a lot of challenging things, in the midst of being a 2% African-American woman as a lawyer, being You know, doing what you're doing, creating a culture and stuff like that. Talk about the importance of encouragement and teaching and what that looks like for you going forward.
1: Yeah. And I'll add another one too, because I think it's leading I'm encouraging on. and teaching because truly by leadership leadership you yes. have to lead by leading, example. And so, and yeah. so yeah. God is putting me, I think, you know, on these certain platforms and giving me this stability to be in certain positions of power so that people can see me as a leader. Like I said, I naturally gravitated towards being in the front. I mean, literally I was the drum major of the my marching band. That's a hundred. Well, I can, see you, you I can <laughs> see you doing that. I can
0: see you doing that. I can see you doing that.
1: It was cute, like, right? 17 years old, like, all right, band, Oh, left. yeah, I can These see you in the outfit and everything.
0: I can see the band. I can see the outfit and the, it was I great. can see you. Oh, yeah, I can see it. I can see it.
1: But, but even at that young age, it truly is just about being authentically yourself. And I think that makes the best leadership, right? When you're just being you, that helps people see that number one, you're relatable. So regardless of what position you were in, I don't care if I'm mayor of my town. I don't care if I'm a judge. I don't care if I'm a senator. I am still just in this position to do God's work. And I want you to still feel connected to Say that again. Say that again. I am in that position to do God's work. And I think that's what people are missing. They're they're missing it. They are. So that's on the leadership part. But the encouragement and the teaching, I think, is really important, too, because we have to realize as humans, we are all going to be going through stuff. I mean, it's just a part of life. Everything is not going to be puppies and rainbows all the time, like I like I like to say. And the thing is, God isn't going to set you up for that either. This is something I heard somebody mention this recently, and it really resonated with me, because sometimes even if you are a believer, don't think that God isn't going to protect you. He absolutely will. But he has to take you through things to prepare you. Mm. There's pain in preparation for your purpose. That's what I always say. He has to prepare you to be ready for the things that are going to come at you. As believers in Christ, think about what Jesus went through when he walked the earth. So how do we expect to walk the earth and not go through the things that Jesus went through? We're going to go through that. We're going to go through that, but we've got to be ready for it. And you got to stand strong stand strong in the word, stand yeah. strong. And I think there's just some level of weakness sometimes in certain people. And listen, it's a growth experience. They've got to figure things out, but I'm glad that God has given me the revelation and truly the confidence. And I think that's a lot of what I teach too, in that encouragement. Cause when you have clarity, then you have confidence in what you're doing. But if you're not clear on what you're supposed to be doing, if you're not clear on where you're going, what God wants you to do, you will never be confident in what it is. So I have no fear. I truly fear nothing. God, God, God had me quit my job in 2021, start my own law firm in 2021, run for mayor of my town in 2021. And I didn't even win the election. And I remember thinking, God, why? I was so down on myself at that point in time. I almost felt like I failed God at that moment. I was, you know, $40,000 in credit card debt. I felt defeated, like there wasn't anything left. And God had to remind me to get back to clarity. And most uh-huh. of that means spending time with him. The vision comes from God. We know Habakkuk 2.2, write the vision and make it plain. I teach this in my coaching method. But part of that, that people don't always focus on, is to realize that everything is going to have to come from God. So you have to surrender to him. You have to have clarity in what he... He's telling you, you got to be able to decipher his voice from other voices. And sometimes even your own voice, lean all the way into him, and he is going to lead you to wherever you need to go. So that's that leadership. That's that encouragement. And the teaching is honestly what I do every day. Whatever I do, wherever I can, I use my voice, I use my gifts and talents to teach people what they may not already know to make it practical for them. Because it's not just about knowing something. We know what knowledge is, right? We've got to apply the information that we get.
0: Apply power, right? Everybody Action. always just that's says power. it's it's power, right? But it's actually applied power, right?
1: Yes, 100%. So that's it.
0: All right. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so uh, it led me into one more quick question. And you know that that's always going to happen, right? So when we're talking about that, let, let's just say I'm a young athlete or I'm a young college student. I'm a young African-American college student. Encourage me. Encourage me on what... This is, and, and let me tell you where this came from. This question came from. It came from you saying that we need to use the gifts and talents. And I use this and I'm going to show you this, Anya. I use these pins as an example, okay? These are my gifts and talents, right? Like God's put them in there, right? And what happens to this pen if I don't use it a little bit over time and next year I pick it up and I go to write with it, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't write. Right. Like, but if I use it a little bit, what happens next year when I go to use it, Mm -hmm. it works just like it did when I started using it. So talk about that. Talk about using your abilities, your God given abilities to lean in and step in to that person that you called from, especially from a person who's in 2% in her field.
1: Yeah. So God gave me something that I use in my coaching called the Career and Calling Clarity Connection. And it's really a process and a method that He has given me over a period of time to connect the dots. And I teach this to current and future lawyers, but it's really applicable to anyone. And truly, I think this is about living your life successfully in the way that God wants you to. So the first thing is focusing on your purpose. You need to know your why and your reason for existence. So as believers in Christ, that's That's very simple because we all have the same purpose. I know a lot of people will say, oh, I have to find my purpose and I need to figure it out. Nope. It's all the same. We are here to do God's work, to be more like Christ. So long as you remember that, think about that as your motivation. That's your why each and every day. How can I be more like Christ? How can I spread God's message? How can I do what he wants me to do here on earth? That's the first one. The mm-hmm. second one focuses on your calling. And that's the what you do. That's where you have to be clear on what it is God wants you to do. What are those gifts and talents? What job specifically can he have you do? And also realize that sometimes the calling might change. Because I mean, you talked about your evolution, myself included, my calling initially was to be a lawyer, then it's, you know, evolved into well, helping create Other lawyers, now helping students and parents, there are a lot of things that you can do, but connect it to your purpose, God will give you the why, you've got to figure out what the what is and connect those two. So I always say, be sure whatever it is you're doing, you connect your career to your calling, because how you spend your time and your career should be connected to what God has called you to do then your third step has to focus on knowing who you are. And part of that, and this is the biggest lesson I think I've learned throughout all of these years, focuses on your value. So I used to do work all around value. And and that was my focus and message for at least two years. Value, value. Because that was a part of my, truly, like my own lesson. And I think it's one that a lot of people struggle with. We're listening to too many other voices. We're allowing other people to define us and tell us who we are when God already told us who we are. That's it. We are royalty. We are children of God. He loves us. We don't have to let somebody else tell us who we are. He has already done that for us. You just have to believe it and be confident in that. And so when you're clear on who you are, the gifts, the talents that you have, the value that you bring to the world around you, now you can take that purpose and calling and help you really put those things together. And now it's about knowing where you want to go. Create that vision. Remember, I said it comes from God. That is your what. What is it that God wants you to do? What is that thing you need to do, the ultimate goal, the vision? that he wants you to accomplish. And then the last step is accomplishing your mission, as I like to say, because think about it this way. Jesus had a purpose, but if he didn't fulfill his purpose and actually accomplish the mission before he left earth, we would all be sitting here, not in the place that we are now, not saved. (laughs) Listen, there's so much to it. And so this is why it's important. We have to get clear on our career. We've got to understand what God has called us to do because there's a reason he's done that each and every one of us has something specific and special. So even in college, doesn't matter how old you are, Realize it's a journey and a process. And that's why I stress this. So, God might have you right now on the discovery phase in that assessment process, figuring out really what it is that He wants you to do, your reason for existence, and part of your calling. Then, maybe in another season, He's going to help you figure out more about who you are and the value that you bring because your gifts are going to elevate. You're not going to always be good at the same thing. You might get better, and hopefully, you should be increasing your value continuously, always educating yourself, learning more about what you can do and the impact you can make on the world. And then you're just going to keep creating those visions. I change my vision board every year, every month, honestly, I'm constantly writing down visions from God, but you've got to also put it in a way where it's organized in a structured plan because he can give you the vision, but the vision is also what set for an appointed time. And so you've got to do it when God wants you to do it, because he's going to set you up to be successful in that point. And that's what I've had to learn. And truly, that's my success model. That's my career and calling clarity connection If anybody can do that, I promise you, you're going to be blessed.
0: We could talk about that probably for a couple of days, I think, probably, right? Like, like it's <laughs> yeah. funny when you say that, I think, you know, my friend, one of my former mentors in business was a guy named George Bryan. He built a lighthouse built around your what, your who, and your why. And I think as you even look at those, you could interchange those at any time, right? Figuring out why what, who you are, I teach the why and your what, because a lot of times people say, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know why you're doing it or who you're doing it for, right? Us, we're doing it for Christ, right? You can be confused, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what you said sums it up, that purpose and your calling and knowing your what, your why and who you are brings clarity. It brings clarity to when God says, turn right, we turn right right? Because we know who we are and where we're going and what we're doing. Right. And I think we get very confused. Like one of my friends, like, like you're going to go, you're going to add 35 hours a week outside the house in your life. Like, why are you going to do that? Like you have time freedom and you're going to ask people for money. Like, and you know what I realized during all that time, Anya, is that people don't look to the one who supplies their needs They look at their bank account or what they're doing or, or, you know, that vision. And a lot of people don't understand that they it's God gives seed to the sower, right? Like I said this today, one of the greatest times that I sowed seeds in my life was when I lost three quarters of a million dollars and all of my retirement in 2019. Hmm. And I saw people that needed and I gave whatever I had left, right? Like I was like, and what did God do? He replaced it. He humbled me and he taught me. And he educated me. He made me a better leader, right? Like what we talked about. So thank you so much for sharing. I say this all the time when we finish. Anya, it's been great. I say this to finish our podcast all the time. The only way people, and before we leave, I want you to do this one last thing, just the last minute or so here. Just tell us how people can connect with you, know more about what you're doing going forward. So tell us that. And we'll put it all in the show notes and everything so people have it.
1: Absolutely. Well, you can connect with me on my website, A I G N E G O L D S B Y A-I-G-N-E-G-O-L-D-S-B-Y.com. And I'm also on social media platforms at Anya Goldsby. So it's truly been a pleasure, Michael. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, this was
0: fun, wasn't it? It was fun. It's always fun, it fun because like we just let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. and we And I always learn stuff. Like I tell people all the time, like, they're like, oh, I can't believe this is what we talked about. And, you know, I was saying this with my friend yesterday that I interviewed. And so I always say this, guys, the only way people get to know her is if you go and you you connect with her. You should, when this comes out, you give it a five-star review because there's no way you can listen to this and not know that it was five-star review. And you allow it to be a part of something that can teach you to be better, right? To learn and to go. And I say this all the time, love God, love people, and live with passion, vision which my friend talked about in purpose. So until the next time of the Heat podcast, God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heat podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.